0: Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. <music>
1: Welcome to the Exploring A Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight is my good friend, Ben. Welcome back, Ben. What's up, Rob? Not much, man. It's good to have you guys all back tonight. And again, we have Drexie. Hello, Drex. Um, um, I've, I'm like perplexed.
2: <laughs> why?
0: Why? Why Why is Ben always first? It's clearly signs of uh,
1: favoritism. It's because he's always, I don't know why he's always first. He's always the first avatar that shows up right beside mine. Is that alphabetical i guess so <laughs> i think should We should probably said. do yeah, first,
3: really considering that he's he's been on the he's been hanging around with you losers longer than i have
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what from now on Drexy's gonna be first i'm gonna there change it go. sorry
0: no longer perplexed
1: there you go before right. beauty yeah <laughs> oh no you're right <laughs> uh, shots fired all right well you know we, and that's why we always introduce sean last maybe because he's on the other side of the world hi sean hey bro how's it going it's going well, man. You know, tonight we have a special guest. His name is Moy. He's from The Civ Show, which is a great podcast about civilization. And he has something pretty awesome to tell you about. So, Moy, take it away.
4: Hey, everybody. It's I am Moy. I am one third of The Civ Show, a, a Twitch stream that we host on Twitch, surprise. We are hosting a charity event this year on December 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's called The Civ Give 21. We have partnered with 2K Foundations. They will be matching every donation up to $25,000. So with that said, our goal is to raise $50,000 for local SIG Kids Hospitals and Children's Miracle Network. Uh, We're gonna need all the help that we can get for sure. We are featuring uh, 10 of the top Civilization streamers in a uh, 10-player free-for-all battle royale kind of game. It's everyone for themselves. We have streamers like Potato McWhiskey, Boastheus, and The Game Mechanic, as well as many, many other really, really good ones. And we're hoping that we can have everybody from the Explorminate family to uh, come out for the CivGive 2021. So uh, we'll be hosting that on twitch.tv slash the Civ Show on December 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Thanks.
1: Absolutely. Glad to have you, Moy. And absolutely, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send all of our <laughs> our small little army that way. So guys, if you are interested in supporting a really good cause, I mean, that's an amazing cause. It's probably the best cause you could possibly support. Go on and, and definitely check them out over there at TV backslash the Civ show and, you know, support them the best you can on December 19th. You know, so if, thanks for very much, Moy, for being here. I really appreciate it. And thanks for letting us know about your awesome charity event.
4: Thank you for letting me promote that here. I appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you guys later. Hey, Moy, before you go, man, I'd
3: like to know, what is your favorite Civ game out of the whole series?
4: My favorite Civ game of the whole series is always going to be the most recent one because that's just how I am. I love to move on from things. I like new things. I like things that are actively being worked on. However, however sift does hold a special place in my heart
3: oh so. uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> you
1: just won solid gold points with us great stuff awesome thanks again moi you're you're awesome appreciate it bro
4: thank you have a good one
1: great and with that let's get into the news Breaking news here on the Exploratory Podcast. We've received word during the editing process of this podcast that Distant Worlds 2 is now going to be released on March 10th, 2022. So that's a big deal, huge deal. We're going to talk more about it in future episodes, but it came out while we were editing this and I wanted to add it. So with that being said, the next thing we want to talk about is revival recolonization. They are going to be delaying early access. So they originally were going to have the early access period here in 2021 and like everything else, the... Current environment and the current situation being what it is, they have delayed it until probably quarter three of 2022, which is a significant delay. And it's a delay that I am, you know, I'm all in favor for. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that they can see that there's potential here with this game, but it is a long way away from reaching that potential. And even then, once they release into the third quarter of 2022, it's still going to be an early access release. So they're hoping to kind of shore up what's missing, shore up what could be kind of, you know, polished up, and provide a decent experience, something that's closer to what they expect the game to finally be once it's finished in the third quarter of 2022. And I think what they're going to do in the meantime is still release these alpha builds that they're doing, so it's not like you're not going to be able to check it out and see what it's like. And beyond that, I'm going to be doing another video of the latest alpha build. It's not really that different than the last video, but I did want to kind of see some of the stuff that they've done, because there are some unique mechanics that they've added. So yeah, the the issues that I've always had with the game are that the UI felt like it's kind of bare bones and too much, you know, it it feels too much like they're trying to be an endless game without the style and it still lacks the substance. So it's like, you know, not nearly as pretty and it's not as, uh, you know, it's not even remotely as perfunctory as the endless UI and that's saying something. So you know, I'm hoping they can shore it all up and make the game what it's supposed to be by the third quarter of 2022. So we're looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll just
1: add that whilst
0: they're doing a lot of work on it, it's still very much alpha. So I'm not surprised about
1: this. Yeah, not at all. And it's a good move. So I'm excited to see that. And I'm happy to see that. I think they've pushed release, the full release back to 2023 as well. So, you know, there's plenty of time to make that game a good game. Really exciting stuff. And in the spirit of delays, we'll talk about Alliance of the Sacred Sons, which has also been delayed, which wasn't any surprise for anyone, really, because they haven't really I mean, they did a kind of like an open play test earlier this year, and then they kind of went radio silent for some time, and then they've started to show some new screens and some new systems that they're working on, but they have delayed it to 2022, and with that, they're going to have a big play test, an open play test in early 2022 as well, and That'll hopefully kind of get some input into what the game feels like now, and then where they need to shore it up, or maybe you know lean into a little bit more before the release, which will be in sometime in 22, 22, which will be sometime in twenty
3: twenty two. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm I'm not really surprised that they've kind of dropped it back a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, but um, the more time in the oven the, for that one, the better I think. And Steve's been putting bits and pieces up on the on our Discord from time to time to kind of get, uh, keep us updated with. I think the you know the combat mechanics are kind of in there now, and he's he's got this he's got some new bits and pieces going on, but yeah, it looks awesome, and I'm really excited about that game. Yeah, he dropped a new dialogue. Like, I guess I guess you could say it's like a dialogue fighting system,
1: wherein like if you because the game is very politically oriented, right? So if you go to somebody that's like somebody within your house or maybe another house where you're trying to convince them of something and they don't want to, it becomes this like kind of like combat, like dialogue combat. So I was, like, pretty cool. I mean, it looks pretty cool, and it sounds like if you're not really into that, you can just auto-resolve it, but it seems like it's kind of a cool... I don't know if you guys... Have you guys played that recent game by Play Games? And I'm trying to remember. It's Grifflands, I believe. Grifflands? Have you guys played that? Yeah, yeah, I've played that. Right, yeah. So there's, actually... Within that game, there's, there's times where you can engage in dialogue combat, basically, and it kind of reminded me of that. So, you know, you... You're you're not using cards like you are in Griflands or whatever. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah, it's got cards and stuff. Griflands, yeah. Is
0: yeah. that any good? Yeah, um, I played it. I haven't played it recently, but early on it was pretty good. I need to get back to that
3: again. Those guys make good games, man. I thought that I don't really play it, but Don't Starve was a really, really good game, and also uh, Oxygen Not Included is really, really good as well. So I, I think that's their real clay. Yeah, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, so I'll have to have a look at that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they also made, I think they made an Invisible Incorporation, right? Inc. Invisible Inc. right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, so they're they're usually pretty good developers, but that's completely aside from what we're talking about. Alliance of the Sacred Suns, that was a great digression, I appreciate it, but we're going to get back to the Alliance of the Sacred Suns playtest coming in early 2022, where they're going to do their best to kind of incorporate whatever feedback they can get and kind of show off their latest build, and then, you know, wrap up development sometime later on that year, so exciting stuff. And I have a build that I'm allowed to stream and make videos of, so it might be something that I do before then. Just stay tuned. In a game we haven't talked about in some time, and a game that I haven't talked about since I actually did my review of, Other Side, which is the rogue-lite tactical combat game where you have female sisters, what they call them, and you're up against some pretty nightmarish creatures and stuff like that, well, that game is going to actually get an update like six, seven months after the fact, and some DLC. So, the update's gonna let you kind of customize your sisters to make them look the way you want them to, give you some like basic customization customization options. And then the DLC is gonna add to those customization options too. So, and in and an update that wasn't too long ago, I, they actually reduced the baseline difficulty level because it was extraordinarily difficult and then they actually too added a lower difficulty level which is a little bit more casual and a lot of people were saying that that's actually more like a normal game when you play it that way so other side's a great game i enjoyed it a lot and i would like to revisit it because i never beat it and next up at the game awards the you know the big video game award show where jeff keely goes all out and you know, does this really great thing for, I think is, you know, great for video games in general, because, you know, it's cool to see video games on the big stage like that. And with a lot of celebrity, you know, buy-in and stuff like that, regardless of what you think of Jeff or the actual Game Awards themselves, I think it's cool to to have video games on a a big stage like that. But at the Game Awards, Dune Spice Wars was announced and they're actually going to, it's going to be developed by Shiro Games, the same development studio behind war tales which is the brand new kind of like battle brothers like role-playing game and north guard which was the rts that came out a few years ago now and it's still getting dlc i think that a lot of people were enjoying it kind of reminded them of like warcraft 2 and you know had some really cool meta elements to it that people compared to to the 4x genre and you know i think
2: the early screenshots look great did you guys check that out yeah, I had a look at the trailer. Um, there's been a lot of chatter about it too. I think there's a lot of people that have the idea of it that they're expecting like a reboot of June 2, and I don't think that's going to be it. I think it will actually probably be a lot like Northgard. Like over the years, they have been releasing the DLC, but they've been releasing like at least two of these huge game-changing updates a year for the whole time. And I have kind of a theory that that's like a testbed for features that they want to do in this June game because there's a lot of stuff that would probably work in it. So, uh, I mean, we need more information, but that's just my theory. Well, it
1: definitely has 4X elements because it was showing some screenshots, A, where you had diplomacy. So, like, they had House Arconin there and his, you know, and the, the big old fat dude, I forget his name right now, but the guy that leads the House Arconin. Um And it's clear there's just some, like, sort of, like, diplomatic efforts there. And there was also another screen that kind of showed, like, a more of, like, a grand strategy map. So, it looks great. I'm really excited about it. So, I I think that, you know, they even described it on their game page as a 4X RTS. So, you're damn right we're going to be watching that one. During the Game Awards 2, they also revealed the Homeworld 3 trailer, where we were all kind of just waiting for that one. It's been a long time. We You know, that was originally crowdfunded on Fig, I believe, and now we're getting closer to release. They said that it's going to look like a holiday 2022 release, and we got to see some gameplay. Did you guys watch that?
2: I did watch it, yeah. I don't know if you... It's one of those things where they go, to gameplay trailer, but you're not really seeing, seeing much in the way of actual gameplay. I think it's like in-engine footage, but I don't know, it was cool. It looked like Homeworld. It looked gorgeous. There was some cool story stuff in there, so it, it got me hyped a little bit. It was good. I've still never played the original. <laughs> I've got it sat on my hard drive, but I've never got around to it, and everybody
3: keeps telling me that I need to play it. But it's one of those games where... You know, you get a copy of the original and then you get a copy of the remaster. And every time I look up to see which one's the best, everybody just argues over which one is the best. So it's just kind of put me off playing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bought the original, I bought the remaster and I've never played them. <laughs> I had a friend that was obsessed with, with it, so but I never got
3: around to playing. They're very, very highly regarded, I think. So you know that either one's going to be good, but it's just which one? God damn it. <laughs>
2: I, th- I think in the beginning, the remaster was pretty was a bit dodgy. like It had some pretty major flaws, but I think they've been sorted out now. Someone's probably going to correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's all been sorted out. I actually um, started a playthrough of the remastered version not that long ago, and as far as I can tell, everything's fine. So uh, I think you can't really go wrong with either one. And yeah, no, it is really good. Like, the campaign's awesome, and um, if you're not really much of like a fast-paced RTS guy, you shouldn't be really concerned with it. It's, it's not very quick like crazy unit spam and whatever, like it's it's pretty well paced, so you might enjoy it. Yeah, you know me well. I think RTS
3: is a young man's game and I've kind of got to the point of it now where I don't think my synapses fire quite as quick as I used to.
1: <laughs> I had to go with Sean. I mean first of all the remaster is much better in my opinion, just because it's it's basically the same game. It is the same game. It's just been kind of tweaked a bit to feel a little bit more modern and 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 at the initial launch the remasters kind of felt a bit dodgy in that they were they were buggy and some of the UI stuff wasn't working well and all that stuff. And now though, I, I went back a year or so after they came out and the game ran perfectly. And it was basically, I mean, it is the same game just in a, a prettier, shinier, you know, veneer and with, with a bit better of a UI. So I don't think you would go wrong with the remaster. And yeah, they're, they're definitely more of a thinking man's RTS. So it's a great game. They're both great games and it's something I would definitely check out. So especially in lead up to Homeworld three, you got some time though. All right. And now we've got Stellaris and its end of the year dev diary. They're basically just saying, you know, they kind of recapped what they did this year, which is quite a bit when you look at the dev diary and it'll be linked down below. And, you know, they finished it off with this Herbert patch and the aquatic species pack, which is the highest rated species pack for Stellaris. And I think one of the best selling as well. So they've clearly, you know, aren't, they're not slowing down. And I think they they've definitely alluded to some more updates coming pretty early next year and their next dev diary coming in the middle of january next year so they don't seem to you know have any any desire or any idea of a solaris 2 anytime soon which is crazy because come next year it'll be a six-year-old game and you know i i'm i'm impressed by the fact that it does still look decent for a six-year-old game and it's even more you know impressive i guess to see that they're Going back in there, you know, we talked about this in the past, but you know, they're going back in there. They're refreshing some of the mechanics that have been around since hell, since 2016. And you know, some of the earlier DLCs. They said they're going to look at some of the other DLCs that they did with the the species packs, and they're going to kind of flesh those out a bit more too. So, I mean, there's some great stuff coming. So, really good stuff. I'm I'm impressed with Solaris's group now, and, and whoever made the decision for this this. Custodial group is, you know, probably deserves a raise. Also, we've got Old World, and it's got a new update. But the thing is that I wanted to talk about with Old World. A first of all, it's crazy that they just keep. I mean, like they're they're tweaking it still, and it really kind of feels like more 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 and more so with every passing hatch and updates to Old World that they're gearing up for the Steam release as if it's the real release because they they've been tweaking things ever since the 1.0 version to the point where Old World feels like a much different game than it did when it first came out, even into version 1.0, let alone into Epic's early access. So that's a game that I want to revisit. But I also want to let you know that some of the people here within the Xclimate community, and one person in particular who I respect quite a bit, who's someone who tends to figure out 4X games pretty well, he is coming up with a strategy guide for us, and he's gonna we're going to try to get that ready for the Steam release. And some of the stuff that he would mentioned on the... Explomate forums were pretty damn great stuff like it was some of the strategies that he was providing and the kind of like the tips and tricks I should say are really great ideas and and will help the new players get into the game and get better at the game much faster so we're gonna have this great strategy guide and we're gonna get that set up for the steam release and maybe even a little bit before that so you guys can have some time to kind of wrap your head around the game but the the stuff that's in it is gonna be great I'm really excited to share that with you soon. And then now we've got also a release date for Total War Warhammer 3, a game that, like, <laughs> I think a lot of people started to think at the beginning of this year may never happen because they, you know, from what I understand, it wasn't supposed to be this long. And a lot of people were really excited about Total War Warhammer 3 because it's showing off some of the Dark Forces stuff, you know, and that, that stuff is definitely, it, it definitely feels a much different, like a much different tone for the game, even though the, the game in general is, you know, the games in general are not like, you know, your kitty fair fantasy stuff but this stuff this new warhammer 3 game it feels it feels dark i like it but it's got a release date for february 17th 2022 you got anything to add about that ben you're the the warhammer fan here uh yeah it looks amazing i don't know have you have you actually watched any of the uh, recent trailers at all rob i haven't i, I i've been meaning to you because you guys have been talking about it and i've been you know meaning to fire them up and i haven't
3: I mean, I, th- I guess I always get really, really affected by this stuff. Cause I'm, I've been a Warhammer fan since I was nine. So, you know, it's like in my blood pretty much. I grew up like just next to the Warhammer HQ pretty much in Nottingham and man, like they've nailed it. They've nailed the look of all the cha- the, the four different chaos gods and the new factions are just awesome as well. So, uh, I'm I'm not sure about some of the gameplay mechanics stuff. It looks like it's kind of making it a little bit more gamey and even more sort of arcadey in a sense. So I'll, I'll hold my judgment when it comes to some of the new stuff that they're adding with regards to the battle gameplay, but the campaign stuff looks awesome and, but i mean just visually and uh, you know thematically they've absolutely they've nailed it there's some like minor quibbles you know they couldn't put some some of the sort of darker stuff in there um you know for like nurgle and slanish particularly i think they've had they've had to tone down some of the overt sexuality and the the more gory stuff but it, yeah i think that's probably just to keep their rating but man they you sh i really really urge you to go to total war um on youtube and check their trailers out because even if you're not that interested in the game the trailers themselves are absolutely they're like works of art so yeah that's what i wanted to say (laughs) all right well i'm gonna watch them since we're done (laughs) you've convinced me
2: yeah definitely the trailers are phenomenal i had a look through it and i was like uh, i know nothing about animation but i hope whoever made them is getting a raise because they just look insane like you've got Nurgle units with like mouths open in their bellies and like they got tongues flopping around on their stomach in their stomachs and stuff and it's just crazy
1: All right, yeah, that's definitely what's happening after the show. So I'm gonna watch those.
2: And last but not least,
1: we have Shadow Empire, which finally is getting some updates. Which I know, of course, Vic has been working on some of the other stuff on the side. He's got the what are they? What was the game that he was making?
3: It's Decisive Campaigns Ardennes, I think. I think that's the one. So it's a World War II era game.
1: Right. Yeah. So he took a break from Shadow Empire to work on that, and now he's coming back to Shadow Empire. And in his like kind of like year end dev diary himself. He revealed a screenshot of Gaia planets, which I think all of us were expecting at some level, because there's been a lot of talk of that. And then he hinted at something that I think we're all pretty sure is naval stuff. So you know, he said that it's something that we're all, we've all been asking for, that we're all aware of him, you know, working on, and that he was going to be working on that full steam ahead come the next year. So with Gaia planets, and you know, the, the majority of Gaia planets having a lot of water. The idea of naval warfare and naval units being added is not out of the out of the question.
3: Yeah, so I um, mean, Vic's just dropping a hint, hint there, but I think he's. I think we're all expecting the naval stuff, and that's pretty much what he's. I, I it's my understanding that that's what he's making. I think the Gaia Planet is basically a step towards that because currently, for the most part, you don't get very very large oceans on the planets in Shadow Empire. Um, so I think that you know he's having having to add some planets that have got much more of an ocean, uh, much more ocean expanse. And I've been nailing Shadow Empire recently, like probably a little bit more than I should. And it's just such a good game. Like I must have five five hundred hours in it now, and I'm still figuring out how to play it. And it's not been; it's just been a, an absolute pleasure. Like it's definitely my favorite game at the moment, and it's it's certainly my favorite 4x game, I'd say. So it's just yeah, I can't wait for more content for that. It's just I'm just going to get ready for another couple of hundred hours of trying to figure out whatever it is that he's adding. <laughs> Yeah, it's a
1: game I really want to get back into, because I had spent like 25 hours with it when it first came out, and you guys were all like, you know, tooting its horn and stuff, and I never went back. And I don't know if it's because I just know that I really, 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 really want to get to a point where I can like dedicate the time that I, I need to get really good at it, and I just haven't had that time, so I haven't gotten back into it, but I really feel like it's a game that I could really just eat, you know, like... It, it brings everything that I want in a game. I mean, there's there's good combat, of course, and I feel like with the added, you know, interactions with alien life forms and stuff like that, that really kind of gets me going as well. And, you know, there's just a lot about that game that makes me feel like I could get sucked up into it. And I think now is a good time. And didn't they just do like a, a, a the beta patch?
3: Like, didn't it just provide like really good performance increases, too? Yeah, it's completely changed it for me because I've just finished the le- long Let's Play that I was doing for Exploraminate and after 101 episodes. And the reason why I kind of stalled off it in May partly was because I was busy with other stuff, but was partly because it the performance was just so bad and he's fixed it. It's just, it's silky smooth now or comparatively so. So yeah, he's re- he, he said it was like a 25% performance upgrade, but for me, it's more like 50% or 75% in a very, very large game like the one I was playing. So it's absolutely like, it's just, it's really changed how it plays because it's so much faster so yeah it's a it's a it's a decent update he's added a load of stuff as well like it's one of he's actually been updating this while he's been working on decisive campaigns i think because he's been updated he's been adding beta patches every now and again so he's he's never really put shadow empire down and i think that's an encouraging thought for fans of the game yeah for sure i'm really excited about it so we'll keep it on and we're really excited to see what he does
1: All right, so in the back half now, we're going to move into our topic for the night, which is Star Wars 2. And we have been all playing it again to kind of remind ourselves of what we liked about Star Wars 2, what we think it changed, like how, how basically how it could have changed the genre, maybe why it failed, and what we think we liked about it and what we didn't like about it. So stay tuned. So yeah, tonight we're gathered. We're gathered here tonight to speak about Star Ruler Two and to honor its death. You know, it's a game that I think was a little bit too, not even just a little bit too. It was way too innovative. It was trying to do way too many things that were unique and new to the genre. And I think that it's. It, I mean, I know it sold extraordinarily poorly the point where it actually drove blind mind studios the developers into bankruptcy and then forever leaving (laughs) the video gaming world and you know i think that's because it it really was doing a lot of cool and fun things that were so
3: extraordinarily different from any other game that no one
1: could really get behind it rob am i
3: right in thinking that you guy you actually spoke to the developers at some point and played some games of star ruler with them
1: yeah we actually had them on the podcast and we talked to them about star ruler 2 before it even came out and then a long time ago not long after it released we had them on our twitch channel when it was like super new and we played a, a multiplayer game for about 3 hours actually it was a lot of fun and they were playing against us and of course that was a massacre in fact i think it only took 3 hours for them to beat us and even then it was it was a large galaxy so i just remember at one point thinking i was in a pretty good spot having quite fig- you know finally figured out how to play the game and then getting murdered by them. So yeah, it was a good time, but, and, and they were great people. They were really good dudes and they seemed to have a really good idea about how they wanted to innovate the forex genre. And I want to get into that because I think, you know, it was, it was because of that, that they really kind of, they went too far, I think. And that's unfortunate because I know that a lot of people say they want innovation, they want change, they want new things. And then when they get said things, they tend not to, to buy said things. So And it was a classic case there with Blind Mind Studios and Star Roller 2. You know, they they were trying to do some cool things and no one bought into it. And that sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship with this game. There's so much to love about this game, which we'll get into. But there's also a lot of problems with, you know, managing the the way the planets work and the card system in the diplomacy, which, yeah, there's just this it's right on the edge of like being a good game but there's just a few niggles that i struggled to get back into the game because the deeper i dug into the game the more mechanics revealed themselves to me that that i struggled with that to keep on top of almost all
3: the time yeah it seems like a game where you've got to juggle many balls and those balls are quite heavyweight i mean like i was just playing the game i was just playing just like what Rob said with the with the multiplayer game he played with the developers, I kinda of thought I was winning and there was one part of the game that I'd kinda of neglected, which was the ship design. And I was I, I was absolutely crushing the AI because I'd just got so much more territory and I've I've really got in my head around how to build the planets and how to apply pressure. Um, to you know to the plants. hey you know what before I start going into this we probably should actually describe the game a little bit first (laughs) and then uh, we can then we can kind of comment on it afterwards but maybe maybe one of us wants to just have a bit of a chat about what the game is and you know and kind of like describe to the audience what it's about
1: yeah fill in the gaps here so basically it's a real-time strategy game wherein you you are basically setting up planets through way of chaining supplies chaining different resources together in order to make kind of super planets, so like the idea is basically, I mean, it's, it's your standard forex fair, and that it's or even your art, standard RTS fair, and that you're you're sending out ships to explore surrounding areas and so to explore surrounding solar systems, wherein you'll find planets that have resources, and those resources are used to level up your planets, and so once you have. Found those planets, you therefore colonize the planets that you'll need to then export the goods that are on those planets back to your your core worlds, where the more resources that are imported into those core worlds are then like used to level up these planets to the point where they become incredibly strong, right? So as an example, you have maybe like you know, the very first where you start to level up your class one planets. They require food and water right for your Terrakin, which are basically your humans that have evolved in you know millions of generations. but so you have the Tarkin, who are basically your humans and they require food and water for your for your level one planets and once they get food and water, they you know get to the level one and then in order to make them level two, they'll need more food and also a level one resource and level one resources are only able to be exploited. When you have leveled up that particular planet to level one, so it becomes this like real big chain of like you know basically managing resources and managing where those resources resources are going in order to yeah have these like daisy chains of of resources and and you know these core worlds that you end up you know in a game just my recent game I only had two planets that I was really kind of focused on you know increasing their level too i mean of course the the higher the level they get the more of the more planets you'll need to have that are higher levels because in order to get higher levels you need to have sorry I know, yeah god now i'm getting a little confused i'm, I'm trying I'm to <laughs> it's <laughs> a confusing system it really is yeah yeah. I mean,
0: it, you've got to level planets to level the planets to.
1: <laughs> yeah. You basically have to have, like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the Russian dolls where you have, you know, a doll within a doll within a doll within a doll. But in order to have, like, the big doll, the big planets, you have to have these, like, moderately small or moderately sized planets that are then fed from smaller planets. And, you know, it, it's like this, yeah, feeding system almost that, you know, can become extraordinarily detailed and confusing at times
3: it's really good though it's like a really fun system even because i find myself i'll pause it quite a lot when i'm playing obviously when i'm playing on my own and i'll sit there and kind of think about which planets i want because each of the sort of tier one and tier two planets, and even some of them that you uh, that have other things like things like iron, which don't necessarily they're not those planets aren't used to level up other planets, but they are used as a bonus for the production of your production planets. And there's this system called pressure in it as well, which is basically how which is how your planets grow. So you, what you can do is once you've got you also have to take care because the planets cost money until you level them up to level one and in order to level them up to level one each planet needs food and water right so the not including the food and water planets themselves necessarily but like you let's say you've got a level one planet you need to give it food and water so you chain them up if you don't do that you end up with a massive money deficit but if you try to colonize too many planets all at once and then start chaining them all up because what you can potentially do is just you know, potentially just colonize 30 planets and then just chain them all up at once. But the problem is the pressure system makes it so that the, uh, the buildings that are created on the planet by the civilians, basically, because what pressure does is it actually, it's like industry and the people building their own cities you know on the planet the, the the quality of the buildings that they build is not so good so you can't just do it all in one go you've got to what you've got to watch each planet for the pressure level to make sure you're not overloading it because you will actually get inferior quality planets out of it at the end so you can't just like you know do it all in five seconds you have to kind of watch it and what you know it's just the the biggest thing with this game is the, the attention. Um, you know the the efficiency of your attention span. So you've really got to jump between different things. And we've only just talked about the planet development. Like so there's this is just one innovative system with it with that's like really detailed and nuanced. There's everything else about this game is also just as intense <laughs> which is exactly what Dregsy I think was getting at the start, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean like I said, I I did struggle with it. You can actually build hydro farms and something else for food and water on to planets as well, rather than having to import the resources but yeah it's just like sean's just mentioned in chat it's like a pyramid scheme and it it ends up being you struggle between trying to get your planets upgraded but of course not colonizing too many planets because then you end up like your money starts tanking and stuff like that so it's a lot to keep a track a track of but um there's just so many good things like you sort of mentioned the um Ship design. I think that's probably one of the best parts of the game. And I kind of I kind of wish that there'd be a way for me to play the game where I could worry less about the planets and get more
3: into the ship design and combat. Well, this is one of the another one of the innovative things about Star Ruler. Um, it's got a system for uploading ships that you've created to a to like a server. And then it's actually got a part of the game mechanics are you connect to the server and then you can download other people's ship designs so it's like built into the game you don't even have to go to like a mod workshop or anything it's just it this game right i I think especially considering how good the performance is on it and the the sheer size of the the maps you can have and the size of the ships and you know the, the how good the graphics are i think that it was an incredibly incredibly talented coding team that they'd got and then the design team it's like by far one of the most innovative 4x games i've seen and it's it's high quality everything about that game is really high quality so it's a real shame that they got put off and didn't make any more games because i think i think if they'd have learned from that game and made another one and you know maybe marketed it better they could have just they could be making the best games now but um but i'm getting a little bit sidetracked um yeah the ship design is absolutely amazing it's really really good it is quite time consuming i think because you you have like a hex system of painting little tiles so you might have uh you know like armor tiles and then you have like command system tiles and then weapons and engines Uh, and it's it doesn't it's not as laborious as it sounds because it's got a really cool painting tool so you just basically paint the you know paint these tiles on as you would with a sort of uh, you know with the paint program almost but it's it's quite easy to do but the, the scale of the ships can be massive like you can you can just upgrade the size of your ships infinitely pretty much to the point where you can have ships that are so big and take so many resources that they're bigger than a star
0: <laughs> the right. scale is and, and the ships are actually the same design you're just changing the actual physical size of it so you don't have to paint a uh, Twenty times sized ship it's just the same ship, just larger. So uh, the other good thing there, you've, there's a lot of considerations when you're placing armour about because it does it in like a a diagonal system. So mm-hmm. it's sort of um saying if the shot if the shot comes in from this angle, it will go through the ship in this type di- in in like a diagonal or a straight line. So you've got to place your armor in a correct place. So it's quite complex, but it, it's quite fun. The other thing I wanted to mention about this game is, um, which I didn't realize for a long time, is the actual being able to setting up the game is really good. It, it's, it's like Distant Worlds uh, type of um, setup, where one thing I've not seen in another game, you can actually have multiple galaxies so you're not. It's not just one galaxy. You can have like five galaxies, and they can be different shapes and sizes, and and you can also do like pre warp and no starting fleet and stuff like that, which kind of makes it more like distant worlds as well. So it's just such a deep game, but it's it was like they just threw a lot of stuff into a, a gumbo pot, and it, it it ended up a bit of a mess.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree there. Like, I don't know if you guys had all played it beforehand, but coming into this as a new player, there was a lot of cool stuff that I liked and that scratched these itches. Like you said, the planet management, I was really into that and the ship designs. But as, as a new player, I found it quite overwhelming, even looking at tutorials and playing the tutorial. Ben and I went and played an actual game and we got in there admittedly I was pretty out of it because it was like midnight. But I got in there and I was like, all right, I kind of know what I'm doing. And then it actually was really helpful. But it just kind of like you just get chucked in the deep end and you're trying to figure it out sort of thing. Because it was midnight. <laughs> or was it because he drank about
3: 15 bottles of vodka? <laughs> <laughs> it was vodka. Yeah, he's
1: not Russian. What do you drink? You drink something else. Oh,
2: uh, what have we got here? There's rum, beer. I make it's beer, but yeah. Rum. Eucalyptus leaves.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's definitely poison.
2: Bundy <laughs> rum. It's rocket fuel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that they threw too much change into one game. I mean, like, we started talking about, like, just this daisy chaining of of resources which in and of itself would be pretty darn cool and it's kind of like you know we've talked about slipways recently and it's a game that came out this year too but slipways did something very similar where you know it it produced like basically you were you're setting up chains with resources and slipways and that in and of itself would have been pretty cool right so i i think that had they stopped at just the the resources stuff and they left everything else kind of like a similar like a, a maybe like a standard-ish 4X, they would have been all right. But then they do add stuff like the pressure system, which still is difficult to understand. Even, you know, as as many hours I've got with that game, I still don't quite understand pressure. But then you have the diplomacy system, which we're going to talk about, I'm sure, where the entire system is played out using cards, which I think is pretty damn cool too. But again, it's so different. And then you have the budget system, where you you're using your budget you know you know, been mentioned earlier that as you develop these planets you know at first they're like kind of in a sinkhole and they're you know creating negative income in a lot of ways but then once you start to level them up and get them in a good spot they create a lot of income and with that income in cycles you have to divert it to Whichever of these resources that you want to divert it to, be it influence, be it research, be it credits, and you know, all that stuff, <laughs> all that stuff, you know, by themselves would be gameplay mechanics that are so very different than the standard Forex or strategy games that you're used to that they would probably be a bit hard to understand, but you threw all of that, and I know I'm missing stuff. I mean, the diplomacy system. The budget system, even the research system, is different. Like the research itself is is more of like almost like a path of exile, like skill tree. You know, it's just it goes in many different directions. There's no clear cut path. And you know, with the the diplomacy card system, you know, even today I still don't quite understand it. I mean, I know when to play certain cards, but there are some cards that I don't know what the hell they do, and I don't know when to play them. You know, and then there's a, I mean, I'm sure you guys could probably fill it in too. There's other stuff about this game that, that is completely unique to Star
3: Roller two. There's all the buildings that you can build on the planets that you can't really build on every planet. So it kind of gets around that master of Orion thing of just build everything everywhere. You have to pick a couple of planets, but then you can put things like rail guns on that shoot right across the solar system. And, uh, you know it's there's factories you can use you can build in order to produce more pressure there are shipyards that you can place manual defense systems there's a lot that, but this game is massive there's so much build to on moons you can build on moons as well which is crazy build on moons. there are planet buster ships that you can find there are there's stuff to explore out in the galaxy you have to use the diplomacy system in order to uh, activate relics and people can vote against you doing that it's it's bonkers. Um, I've got to disagree with you guys. I don't think it's a mess at all. I think it's an amazing game and it's incredibly well designed and it's incredibly tight. And that's I've played. I've got about fifty out forty hours in this game now, and I, I don't think it's a mess. But I absolutely agree with you that it's completely overwhelming for a new player who's never played it before.
0: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it was mess is a wrong word, but it, it's very complex and it's very hard to. You have it takes a lot of time to understand all these mechanics and how they. Uh, interact with this with each other. I mean, you, you just like listed off relics, which you know, for someone out there, they don't actually know what relics are, but basically, what they are is, um, I guess from ancient civilizations, objects out in space that you can activate with energy that gives you certain bonuses and stuff like that. Like I said, there's just someone needs to write a really heavyweight guide for this game because they're, yeah of even watching videos is just not enough i think you need to, someone out there needs to do a decent guide for this game But i think that's the biggest part of the problem is whilst it has all these amazing elements it's there's no way a in-game tutorial even could explain it all so you're required a lot of hours to actually even get your foot in the door which is why
3: i think the game failed i agree i think that's probably what happened with it as well um just quickly i once you have learned it you can play the game really fast and it's the like kind of like with slipways i've not played slipways by the way but I, how i have kind of understand the gameplays. you I, i've no, i don't know any other games where you know forex games where you can create an empire as big as you can in star ruler 2 in such a short space of time like i was playing this last night and i went from the game start to on a 60 on a 60 star galaxy to having about 40 stars or maybe 35 40 stars under my control in the space of about An hour and a half so it's really fast and so once you've got the mechanics once you've learned the game it plays incredibly quickly and you can have like you can you can just bash out ships um you know you can have multiple fleets all flying around uh you know you've got your research system all going you like rob said i probably had about two planets that i was actively developing and i got one of them up to level five which meant it had a, it had you know like th- probably about 30 attached stars uh sorry 30 attached planets or maybe more 40 something like this some crazy amount of planets um but you have to pick which ones you want it it's a dead good game man and it's just like you say i think it's just a little bit overwhelming like i lost because i just didn't keep on top of all the balls that you have to juggle. i dropped some balls (laughs) and unfortunately you know you can't drop you can't drop any of the balls you have to you have to juggle all of them and i can totally see how that would be well stressful for people to play
1: yeah no i agree with Drexy. it's not a mess it definitely doesn't feel like a mess it just feels like too much for one game to try to change and innovate and so like it's not that You know, it's not that it doesn't work because in in some crazy ass way, it does work. It's just that it doesn't, it doesn't feel remotely penetrable, you know, for even the first 10 hours. I mean, I remember it took me a long ass time to start feeling like I knew what the hell I was doing and it ended up being the video that I had for the, like the, basically like the introductory to the idea of like to set up how to play star Wars two was one of the most viewed videos we had on youtube for a very long time
3: yeah i watched a tutorial um i watched a guy do a let's play and it was a relatively short one it was like you know i probably watched about an hour's worth of videos and um, that that showed me how to play but i before that i was it was it's throwing you in at the deep end it doesn't actually have a reasonable tutorial the tutorial teaches you how to do everything it doesn't teach you the the nuances of stuff like you know pressure it, it kind of explains the pressure system but it doesn't really explain quite how it works and it certainly doesn't tell you how to approach you know the game there's other stuff in there as well by the way there's stuff like it's kind of got stuff that you know you might that might be reserved for more complex 4X games like uh, Stellaris where you have like this i forget what it's called now but kind of each race you can pick a sort of tra- trajectory to go through so for example the terrakin uh, they're they're starting off on this you want to kind of kill as many of the remnant, uh, the precursor remnants that are kind of in the galaxy as possible, and it gives you bonuses. And the more you kill, and you can add more of these kind of like this this sort of skill tree. It's like another thing that that I don't think you would have even noticed unless you click on the tab. But it, and it's not really explained very well in the tutorial. But you know, you can. Th- there is about twenty of these different trees that you can then like open. It's like mind bogglingly complex, <laughs> you know. And like compared to something, you know, its closest competitor, I would say. It's something like, um, it's something like Sins of a Solar Empire, it's kind of like that. It's less fast paced, I'd say, than Sins, but it's uh, more complex by far. It's like a much more complex game than Sins is. Is it a better game? Hmm, not sure about that.
0: The other thing I wanted to mention is the uh, research tree, which at first glance looks quite unwieldy, but one of the cool things about it is <clears throat> the way it is, it's like a web and it kind of loops back on itself. so. To get a certain uh, research thing, you can actually take multiple paths to get there. So you don't kind of don't have to waste your time going through something you're not going to use to get to something that's sort of on that side of the tree. So, I mean, you're just going to have to look at it. It's really hard. To, I don't know whether you guys can explain it better, but the research tree is like, I've never, not seen anything like that in the game.
3: No, you're dead right. It's like a web. It is a web, and it's like a huge web, and there's a load of text, and they've got multiple branches, so you can get to certain technologies in different ways, uh, but it's a static thing. It's, it's, uh, it's big. It's another big and confusing part of the game. <laughs> there's about 20 different currencies in the game as well. It's like you've got energy, you've got FTL energy, you've got money. Um, the money, the, the way that monies works is different as well, because you have basically a certain amount of money that you get every month and you don't carry it on. So you don't have a treasury pool. You just have a budget that you can spend up to each month. And so you can kind of go into the red, you know, you can spend into the red and it has some sort of negative effects. Um, then you've got what else have you got? There's there's influence, which you use for for your diplomacy. You've got research points. You don't really generate any of those until you build some research um buildings there's loads of stuff it's just mad
1: (laughs) yeah and so something i wanted to talk about anymore a little little bit more in depth is the diplomacy system where sorry Drexy, you want to talk no i wasn't saying anything i see one sorry i thought i didn't see until now another aspect of the game that i really wanted to talk about was the diplomacy system that i know that we kind of brushed over a little bit but it's something that i think a lot of people actually refer back to because of how good it is in a lot of ways where like it is a card system right and there's a lot of things that you can do. There's there's again, it's another system that has multiple layers. Like there are times where you're basically allowed to play cards that make other factions have to respond to them. And so you get a yay or nay vote from everybody and you either have the cards to say yay or nay or you don't. But if you have enough to like you know, you can basically strong arm some things with just the diplomacy system. I mean, you can take planets from other people with just the diplomacy system by playing the right card, and then by strong arming people out of it because you can use cards to vote for yourself and to vote to allow you to take over those planets and to negate other people's votes against you. So there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, it's it it and and that's that's just the the very surface of it, right? Like you can play cards to you know. Uh, obtain things from people you can play cards to declare war you can do all sorts of things that you know a, 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 make the, the diplomacy system feel a lot more dynamic and a lot more strategic and tactical because in a lot of ways you're going to wait to play certain cards in certain circumstances and you know another time is you're going to use those cards to you know uh get get ahead of someone you know before they might play a card that that could negate yours and you know yeah as Ben's writing here, it's a lot like Shadow Empire stratagem system, but it's it's very it's completely oriented towards the diplomacy aspects of the game and it's it's great I think again it's another system that takes a lot to get used to and a lot to figure out but once you start to figure it out and you know get but again it's it's another ball to juggle, you know like even while you're figuring it out, there's times where I'm like you know really deep inside a a combat scenario where i'm sending my ships and i'm trying to see how well they do because i've just designed new ones and meanwhile this diplomacy system's still going on in the background you know people are still playing cards and sometimes you're losing you know a a diplomatic battle even if you're winning an actual tactical battle
0: yeah that was one of the big problems i had with it is again it kind of reminded me a bit of the federations in where. It's another thing you've got to keep track of as well. But from what I've heard, you can actually um, win the game through the diplomacy system without going to war or anything. You can just... I don't know how to do it personally, but apparently it's possible. uh, One of the races, I think, is kind of based around that, where you can just win through diplomacy. So something I'll have to look at in the future. But yeah, it's just... Yeah, but like you said, it's becomes a problem because yeah it's another thing you got to keep track of on top of everything else and i don't, i think some ways this game kind of needs governors for like planets or diplomacy kind of a bit like distant worlds where you can set the ai to take over certain tasks for you this, if this game had that i think it'd be a lot lot better and it, like we did with distant worlds you can sort of over time as you get more experience, turn off these layers of AI and you can start
3: managing stuff yourself. I don't think it's as di- as complex as difficult Distant Worlds to require that, maybe. Because I, I didn't really find there is a lot to juggle. And I think the main things you really got to keep an eye on for a start, you know, the game can be very big. So you obviously have to, because it's an RTS, you do have enemies jumping into your territory to attack you, especially when you're at war, right? Um, and you, so you need to keep an eye on that you need to keep an eye on your dip, on the diplomacy stuff but there are indicators that pop up and say hey you know you've got to there's a vote going on and you know you need to you know you should take part or whatever but um and then you, you know there's you've got to kind of like build on planets but i think the planetary stuff is more you once you're setting up your empire that's where you're doing all the you know you're in the planet screen and like connecting all the all the supply routes um I think I think there is a sort of flow to the game where, for the most part, I don't think you need to do all those things all at once. I think you know the supply stuff kind of comes at the first sort of third of the game, and then the second third of the game is where you've kind of explored everything, and then you're starting to go to war, and, and then the diplomacy stuff's really going off, and then in, in the end game you really you're having to do the ship design. But bearing in mind, it's real time with pause. It's not like very much like sins that you know. Unless you're playing multiplayer, you can pause it or you can slow the game right down while you're doing things. It's not a fast-paced game necessarily. It, I mean, for the scale of the game, it is. It's, it's very fast-paced for a game where you're taking sixty stars in you know in a couple of hours. Like like you say, kind of like almost like slipways in that respect. But I don't I don't know I don't know if ne- automation is necessarily needed for it i think it might help i guess with some of the some of the other stuff maybe if you could automate the diplomacy that might be the one that i would choose you know just so you could set it to be like look just just oppose everything or you know agree to everything or something like that maybe because that's the one that i always get lost on
0: i think diplomacy would would work better in a turn-based game than this type. i know you can pause it but still uh, for me it's a couple of things slip past and i was like i oh, missed that sort of uh vote or whatever but if you if it was a turn based game, you know you got more time to consider things before you hit that in uh, turn button
3: for sure.
1: Yeah, no, this is where I think. I mean, honest to God, I think Star Ruler Two would have been a better turn based game in general because there are so many things going on. And and you know, again, when Ben was talking about it at the very beginning, when he said that you know he felt like he was doing really well, but he was he was basically slacking in his his ship design. You know it's 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 because there are so many balls to juggle at the same time that I feel like if you had turn based elements or if the game was entirely turn based that you would have the uh, the appropriate amount of time to consider all these things every time you played you know every turn you know if if I was sending out you know and i i appreciate some of the macro level stuff that they've in- implemented here and i I would think it'd be really cool to you know instead of building said colony ship and then sending so uh, you know colony ship to colony. You know, if you could just click on these planets, you know, hit colonize, and then, you know, depending how far they are, it would take two, three turns to colonize. And then, you know, you were doing all this stuff in a turn-based format. I think that it would feel much more manageable in a lot of ways. And maybe that's because I'm a turn-based guy. Maybe that's because I think there are, this is an extraordinary amount of things going on at once. But, but you know, the, the saving grace is that there is a pause button. It just feels like even with the pause button that I feel like I, I've lost things almost every game. Like there are things that have gone through or passed me by that I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have done that. Or, you know, even sometimes where I forget to set my budget differently, you know, like because you, you like I said before, you know, the, the, the money you're making, the income you're bringing in, if you, you have to set your budget to use that money towards a specific resource. And, you know, oh, man, I forgot to use it for the energy resource this time because I was really hoping to power up that relic, you know, and that's something that I forget, you know, or, man, I really wanted to move forward into the next research topic and I forgot to change my income or my my budget into research. And, you know, it it does feel like turn-based could have been a better way to handle all this.
3: I don't know. I think the entire game design is basically so that they can get a huge turn-based like complex game into an rts format that's i think you know that's why you've got this chain system where you can literally link 20 planets up in the space for about five seconds you know just by a few clicks i I think that you know it it was clearly designed to be a real-time game right from the start and all the game design elements are about that the where the issue lies as you as you've indicated is just in the sheer size of it so there's just so much going on i i I though. I think if you persevere with it and if you, you know, if you actually take the time to learn it and you play it a few times, I don't think that, I think it's going to get to the point where you'll kind of have an eye on all these things, you know, and you'll, you'll kind of be aware of the the, the common pitfalls, like, like with me, not bothering to do any ship design. And I've got like a 10 K power ship, you know, and um, the, the enemy just declares war on me because I'm, because it's starting to lose. So it just declares war on me at the perfect time, by the way, jumps into right deep into my system, strikes, um it, at some planets where it knew that it would break my biggest chain and then it, it hit me with 100k power ships i was like yeah this is cool you know because that's exactly what a human player would do it would you know that's kind of something that a human player would do so i haven't really spoken about the ai and i've got to be honest i haven't played it enough to really to give it a fair shake but it seems pretty solid to me so yeah i think it was always supposed to be an a uh, i think it was always supposed to be a real-time game and i don't i, I think that i don't think those game mechanics would translate well if it was turn-based um but I, I totally get the point that it probably, you know, they've tried to cram a turn-based complexity game into an RTS, and I think it's successful, but you know, at the, at the cost of being just a bit, little bit too complex for most people to be bothered to stick with.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, I guess that's part of why it didn't succeed in all honesty. I mean, like if that was their goal, they clearly succeeded in that it works. I just don't know that it's accessible to about 95% of the people that are ever play it. And that's probably why it's never really. I mean, even today, I think people still talk about it. You know, like people still talk. I think more than anyone else, more than any other game that's like, you know, quote unquote failed, more people talk about Star ruler 2, especially the politics and the diplomacy when it comes to like, you know, talking about like, you know, game mechanics for 4X games that they really enjoyed. In fact, if you go into, like, the the Forex Gaming subreddit and you ask, like, you know, what are some game, game, like, who, which game does diplomacy well? Like, most people will say, oh, all, all of them suck, but then there might be one or two or maybe even a half dozen people who will come in and say, you know, Star Wars 2 did it really well. And that's the, I mean, that's the only game I can think of that, that, you know, failed in a lot of ways when it comes to, you know, it's gaining traction or doing anything successfully, you know, monetarily. but you know, still managed to kind of eke out its, like, own little, you know, own little tale, you know, the tale of Star Wars 2 and how it, you know, could have, would have, should have affected the 4X genre as a whole, but it just didn't. Rob, you cut off?
3: I did? Yeah. Uh, I didn't for me. Oh, weird. I think he was waiting for you, Durexy, because you put up a number. Oh,
0: <laughs> I can't even remember, remember what. Oh, and I was going to talk about so I didn't realise you finished. It sounded like me. You stopped mid sentence. All right. Another uh, thing about this game is because the uh, company went o- under, um, they were actually kind enough to release the uh, source code for the game. So you can actually, even though it's on Steam, you can actually, if you're willing to um, comply, your own copy of it for free. And alongside that is, um, if you look on the Steam work- Workshop, there's quite a lot of mods and there's um an open star ruler 2 discord which has about 150 people on so like you are saying it's like very well regarded and there is a dedicated uh community a lot of multiplayer games going on um one of the mods which i didn't get to to try which is quite popular called rising star uh which is uh just you know iterated on it and because i wish more developers who kind of fell but have a good engine or a couple good ideas <clears throat> like Stardrive <clears throat> should just release the uh, source code for the game and let the community work on it
3: I think that's a really nice thing to do as well and they actually say in their in when they actually made the new or they, they released the news that they were going to do that they said, and we're going to release the code for anybody who kind of wants to learn from it or, you know, to add to it or just take it off and they put it on GitHub basically. So you can branch it off and make your own version. So super easy to mod. Um, you know, you can just take the code and do with, do with it pretty much with what you want. I think I'm going to say that with a, you know, obviously there's going to be copyright issues, but the, the fact that they were just, that they were just kind enough to do that. I think that's amazing. And I just want to say again, I think it's a real shame that those developers didn't succeed. I, I, I think that judging by the quality of the game and, you know, just quite how wild the game mechanics are, and yet they they made a working game that's completely different to everything else. They they were obviously super talented. So
1: yeah, no, I and I think that you know it's it's a shame that they folded the way they did because I feel like Star Ruler Two was just sort of like the beginning of them trying to flex their muscles a bit, their creative muscles. I mean, it it was a significantly different game than Star Ruler One, but a game that you know. There's a lot of people that still choose Star Wars 1 over Star Wars 2 for what it did because it was a much more macro level game. And, you know, there's a lot of people who really appreciate that. I've never played Star Wars 1.
0: I I, I liked, I can't actually remember much about it, but I do remember I liked it quite a lot when I did play it because it was like 2013 or something like that came out. And I was kind of excited for Star Wars 2, but it did change quite a lot from Star
3: Wars 1 from what I remember. Yeah, you see people complaining about that on the Steam forums, like, oh, it's not as complex as Star Ruler 1. They've dumbed it down. And it seems to me very much like they did what um, Chris Park and Arkin did with uh, AI War 2. They kind of cut down some of the complexity to make it a little bit more streamlined, but kind of made it cooler at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to actually look at Star Ruler 1 and just see what it's like, because I'm I'm not afraid to go back and look at old games. <laughs> so, I'd, I've, And I've heard very, very good things about that one.
0: The ship design is really weird in that you just get a big circle, you just chuck stuff in there, basically. <laughs> it's nothing <laughs> like Star Ruler Rule 2 ship design is a lot better. This one's just a circle. You can just put stuff in anyway. It's very weird. but
1: yeah. <laughs> That sounds cool, though. Yeah, it's, I think I'm going to have to go back and try it out. But anyways, I mean, I, was, I don't even know what the takeaway is here. Like, the game, for all, everything that it did right, I think... you you know, we kind of touched on it earlier is that it did, it didn't do enough to explain itself properly for people who could have probably got into the game and had it done a better job of, you know, releasing with a tutorial that really dug deep into all of its mechanics. And maybe, uh, you know, I I guess that would be a start, right? I think that would have been a start, but there was still so much that, that it, it needed to, to have done maybe automation, would have been another thing in some level, like you guys are talking about, like, you know, some sort of level of distant worlds too, or distant worlds in general automation where, you know, you're able to set some things that you didn't really want to worry about to automate, you know, like for me, research isn't particularly exciting, but if I had like, you know, maybe something that was choosing research topics, you know, automatically based on my circumstances. And then I occasionally had manual input for that, you know, that would, that would have worked for me too. Or, you know maybe something that was auto colonizing for me based on what i needed you know the one thing that 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 i've thought about quite a bit is that like you can auto import things you know but you can't auto colonize and if i had a particular planet that i wanted to level up to planet 3 or to level 3 i wish i could i wish i could right click it and tell it to auto level to level 3 and then whatever planets it needed that were that i had in in my territory to or, you know, that I I was aware of that I need to colonize in order to make it to level three, I think that would have been another step towards making it less clunky. But there's a lot of things I think that it could have done to make the game a bit more user-friendly and a bit more approachable.
0: Uh, go Ben, I forgot what I
3: was going to say. Yeah, sorry, I, I also forgot what I was going to say. I was tied up with, I uh, found what Rob was saying was really interesting and I completely <laughs> forgot my point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, th- 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 that was it, hang on. Oh yeah, okay, so there are some things that star ruler two doesn't do that well so and it was when rob was talking about the the research that it kind of reminded me so 30 or 40 hours in whatever it is i'm still no i have no idea how well a ship is performing against another one so the combat it looks cool, yeah? But basically what happens is your fleet with its attendant, um, you, you have like a capital ship, and then you have a bunch of smaller uh, fleet ships that you build uh, to kind of like circle it, and they, they just move as these big, this big circular blob. Now, what happens is they, they move up to one another, and then they just blast each other from long range. And it looks gorgeous, but there's not much dynami- dynamism with it, right? They just kind of go up and they fire all these ships, uh, fire all these lasers at one another. But I've got no idea whether the whether really what stuff that i'm adding to the ship is what effect it's actually having do you see what i mean like in distant worlds i can i can tell because you know i've designed my ship i know that you know i've i can examine the enemy ships and go okay he's using like this kind of armor and you know i need this particular kind of weapon or he's using a lot of small fighters so maybe an area effect weapon would be good i, I just feel like i'm none the wiser with star ruler two to be honest and I'm, again it's that's probably down partly to my to my ignorance of the game mechanics. But it didn't feel very, uh, there wasn't much feedback from combat. Basically, they just go up to each other and then, you know, the the, the, the fleet strength disappears. And then, you know, the one that is left standing is the one that le- is left standing, essentially. So that was one thing that I don't like about the game. And like I say, it might just be t- due to my ignorance of the game mechanics, but it, there's not much feedback.
1: Yeah, I can agree,
3: 100%. I mean,
1: what's left to say? It's a, it's a game that I think, you know, succeeded on many levels and it also failed on some important ones including the ability to generate an income and you know there that's pretty much it you know it's it's a game that i think everyone should try especially since it's free and you can compile it yourself i mean it's not very expensive if you paid steam on steam for it but you know if you're cheap and you just want to check it out you can download the the source code and compile it and you know play the game but if you end up enjoying it, I would recommend paying the guys. They they worked hard on it, and I think it's a hidden gem within the forex genre. And you know, I, I think that for the very sake of just figuring out what didn't didn't work, it's just something. It's almost like a case study in a lot of ways. And you know, if you haven't played it, you should check it out. You guys, have anything else to say?
0: Yeah, I I, I just uh, would love to see. I'm probably not going to happen, but I would love to see him come back and actually have a further attempt. I uh, am have a Star Ruler 3 because like I said at the start, for me it's it's a borderline uh just top rate game and it's just a few things I would like to, to see changed and improved on that uh yeah would possibly be in a Star of three. The thing I wanted to say as well, I think the problem with the tutorial is because it was basically a two-man studio, it's just, you know it's just a limitation of a game made by small studio who actually did a lot, a lot, a lot of work on this game, a lot of mechanics. So, yeah, it's just one of the things. But if they could come back and maybe work with someone with the community to do the tutorial side of things like some other games have done, even AAA games have done, and, yeah, come out with a Star, star Roller uh, 3 or maybe someone from the community with the source code could actually come out with more of a Star Roller 3.
2: Oh, good. Um, yeah, no, I think just... Like I said, as a a new player, I do find it overwhelming, but there is a lot of stuff in there that I like about it that we've talked about, you know, like the, the planetary management and transferring resources around and the fleet management there's things in there that I like that tick boxes for me that that I enjoy. And it's something that I, it's it's fun enough and interesting enough that I want to get to know it better and get the hang of it. And yeah, it would be cool if there was ever something else that comes out that's like this because... Um, some of these mechanics. I don't know if there are any other games that even do them, like the fleet management. How you like you build you build your flagship, and then you they build their own fleet. Is there any other game that does that?
3: I've seen that before. I can't remember where actually, um, but I'm just trying to think. It's more of an awesome. you kind
0: of have fun. it in Stellaris. Kind of you got to press, yeah, build the fleets, so and you could just reinforce the fleets. So a similar sort of thing in Stellaris.
3: I'm trying to think of the other game that does. It. There is another game that does it. I'm sure, but I can't. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but, but that's definitely like an RTS thing, I think, because basically it makes it easy. So you don't have to just build all these individual ships. You just build a capital ship, and then you 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 have four different types of um you know fleet ship like a beam late a beam ship you've got a missile boat or gunboat or something and all these different things and then you just click a button and you add 10 at a time or one at a time or whatever however many you want so and again it's part of that whole thing where it's like am i building beam ships or should i build heavy gun ships does it matter who knows (laughs) am i just am i just building these things to make my number my fleet size number get bigger than my enemies you know yeah yeah that's
0: how it felt to me my number's okay. bigger than theirs, so I'm po- probably
3: going to win. I kind of felt like that's Stellaris as well. Though. <laughs> yeah, not, it's very I'm similar, not... similar sort of things with Stellaris. Yeah.
1: All right, well, I think that's it.
3: Let's uh, end this episode with what we're playing. What have you been playing, Ben? I'm trying to finish uh, Total War Warhammer Two because <laughs> I've still not finished the Vortex campaign. So I've like I've I've dialed myself back down to normal, and I'm just playing the Skaven. Uh, one of the, I'm playing Lord Skrogs Skaven campaign because I just want to finish the Vortex campaign before February sixteenth or whatever it is when Warhammer Three comes out. Other than that, I've been playing Shadow Empire. Uh, because i just love it and i'm uh, now i finished that series i'm like oh i can play some shorter games now so i'm going through all the different other planet types and playing around with the difficulty settings and just trying to really learn some of the stuff that i don't really understand very well so uh and the other game i'm playing is an is a mod for open xcom extended called uh, x pirates which is a sort of that's I describe X Pirates. It's basically like a really hardcore, difficult version of XCOM with a tech tree that's got about five thousand entries, and I'm not lying. It's literally about four or five thousand. Um, it's got it's incredibly large tech tree. Um, it's all set within the XCOM universe, but it's kind of you're like these kind of it, it's it's made by a, a guy who's not afraid to put a bit of. I don't know how to how to describe this in a politically correct way. Basically, it's this: it's big booby pirate girls, <laughs> big booby mutant pirate girls, basically. Um, and you have to kind of expand your settlement and you know do the XCOM thing. It's just it's just XCOM, but it's amazing, basically. But it's based on the original XCOM game. I don't mean the Firaxis remakes. So it's like it's one of the best mods I've ever played, and it's just huge. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of different unit types and equipment that you can get. Like there's about three hundred different weapons. It's just bonkers <laughs> so i've been losing a lot of time to that as well what about you ben sorry what about
0: you Drexin? uh yeah i'm still at guild wars 2 which ends on my time for star ruler 2 as well but uh, yeah I'm, i don't know i'm just enjoying the game it's you can play as much or as little as you want which is what i like about it and you don't have to pay a subscription so yeah it's quite fun
2: and you down under mate Where are you doing oh. mate yeah oh Oh yeah, I've been playing a bit of Warhammer 40k Gladius. I've been playing the. I was doing up a, a write up for the Admec Adeptus Mechanicus faction, so I was playing through that. They're pretty fun. Like they're 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 interesting. They've got their own, um, like all the other ones. They have their own unique play style, and it. Um, it's very thematic too. You know, they need to build things a certain way and they need to be organized in how they do things, you know, because they're mechanical and whatever. So, yeah, so I played through that. I've uh, been doing, and then that sort of got me in the mood to play a bit of Warhammer 40k Mechanicus again because it's awesome. And then I've also been playing a little bit of Thunder Tier 1. So that only just released. It's a top down squad based tactical shooter. So we're doing a little bit of that um, when I have time.
1: Very good. Cool. Yeah, for me, I've been playing, I've been, there's been a few games that have come through the Explominate desk here that I'm going to throw a video or two on the old YouTube on, one of which is a game that's basically a fantasy RimWorld, but it's <laughs> it's funny because there's been so many RimWorld clones that it's kind of getting ridiculous. But this one is actually pretty unique in that it's very fantasy oriented and it has some 4 elements because there's like, you know, you build your own town and you're, you're eventually your own castles and stuff like that and then you know neighboring empires can invade you you can invade neighboring empires yourselves and there's like this weird diplomacy that occurs and it, it's pretty cool it's called ne- noble fates i believe it's called and so that one kind of came across the desk and then i also really got into this game called chorus which is a like a sci-fi space shoot 'em up i mean it's it's got some light rpg elements i don't know if you guys have heard of everspace 2 where there uh, yeah. yeah i know that yeah, Everspace yep. 2, it's kind of like this you know, basically like an action RPG space game, but the same, I think under, like there's under the same umbrella um, the same like development studio, but these guys came out of the Chorus, which is a great, a freaking great game I, I'm, it came out of nowhere for me I saw it as a recommended game, and I started looking into it, and I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing and some of my friends here on Steam had really given it really good reviews, and I was like, what is this? This couldn't be this good and I started watching reviews, and end up picking it up and I'm four or five hours into it and just really enjoying it. It's, it's kind of like a story based TIE fighter, you know, with modern day, you know, uh, mechanics and some, some action RPG elements where you, you know, can level up your weapons and stuff like that. And the story is pretty cool. You know, like this, you're basically a female where you've, you've been playing as the bad guy forever. And then you, they finally went too far and, you know, you decide to give up your bad ways and, fight the bad people. So, it's pretty
3: cool.
2: That sounds awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, um, I don't know if you have played Everspace 2, but I have that. Um, if you have, how do you think it stacks up because I've been keeping an eye on that and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. So, I don't know, I'm kind of interested.
1: Well, so Everspace 2 is great. I, I, both games look amazing. Everspace 2, I think uh is a little less. I mean, it, it feels less story-oriented. It's more of like an open world, you know, Kind of like a Skyrim in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying like an, like a space Skyrim because you're just going around from place to place like doing quests and there's an overarching quest, but you can kind of get lost in some of the side quests and stuff whereas chorus i feel it feels a little bit more it's a little bit more directed, but there's still some it, it, it actually has a much more I think effective and fun combat system and but other than that it's it's a bit more on the rails. Although there's quite a bit of open space. I won't say that there's not, because there's definitely like a lot of side quests and stuff you can complete. That and, and the whole game I've been really enjoying, just a lot, a lot more. It's it's easily the game that's surprised me the most in 2021. I didn't even know it existed until it came out. And then now it's out and I'm playing it. I'm like, holy shit, this game's great. But it's not 4X. So, but with regards to 4X, I have been playing some old world like I normally do, because I kind of come back to that every now and then to kind of figure out like... You know why does I suck at that game and then I also have been playing some <laughs> I <bet you> don't. <laughs> well then I've been playing some Galactic civilizations four because it's I just feel like you know it's at a point where you, they need to know what's wrong with it so yeah I, you know it, there's a lot of good things with Gaus four but I feel like there's also some things that really know the shit out of me and one thing that I've been harping on them hardcore and I've probably complained about in every video I've ever made is the ability to queue up space queue up colonies you know like if you and right now currently in Galactic Civilizations 4 if you want to colonize a new planet and you do that literally dozens of times in Galactic Civilizations 4 because there's so many you make so many feeder colonies in this game so each time you want to go and and colonize a planet you have to go to your shipyards select colony ship build se- colony ship once it's you know created you have to manually send it to whatever planet it is you want what I'd really like for them to do and implement is that if I just click on an uninhabited, uncolonized planet and then just click like the word colonize on it, and it'll produce a colony ship at the nearest shipyard and send it that way. Like much like Distant Worlds. And if it doesn't if it's already been colonized, then so be it. It goes off or it tells me I can't go to wherever it's supposed to be. But it just there's a streamlining of that colony like founding process in Galactic Civilizations for Is extraordinarily important because of how many times you end up colonizing planets in that game. And I bitch about it every time I get about on that game. So,
3: anyways, I had a quick look. Uh, I had a quick look at Galsiv 4 and it looks pretty cool. Um, I liked what I saw and I like Galsiv anyway. I like Galsiv 3. Um, I'm one of those weird people who really likes it. (laughs) So, um, I I had my first look at Galsiv 4 the other day and I was like, yeah, I I like this. I like what they're doing with it. It still feels like Galsiv 4, but it's. It's kind of like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm, I still not watched any of your videos on it yet, Rob. I need to do that and just kind of like really get my head around what's going on with it. But it sounds like, I think they're going in the right direction with it, aren't they?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that, so you guys should know this, we're, our next episode that we dive deep on a game will be Galactic Civilizations 4. We, we all got copies and we're going to give it a go here in the next month or so. And in the time that, you know, in the next month, we're going to play it. And start to kind of formulate some of our constructive feedback that we can give regarding what's working and maybe what's not and help, you know, maybe maybe send that Stardock's way to kind of help them figure out how to finish this up in the home stretch. So, stay tuned for that episode. And next episode, we're going to probably do like a Game of the Year episode, so check that out. Like, come out of our own Game of the Year and kind of what's made the biggest imprint or, you know, biggest, yeah, I guess you know, made the most, sorry, influenced us the most, so... Just stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that next episode and kind of wrap the year up with, you know, what we liked and what we enjoyed and what we didn't like and where we think things are going and talk about some of the shit that's coming out next year, which is, in, you know, Distant just, just Worlds 2, Galactic Civilizations 4, Total War Warhammer 3, you know, all these other games that are just now Dune Spice Wars, all these games that are coming out. We'll talk about those.
0: Uh, it's got to be a bit of a weird one because... I remember the end of last year, we were like super excited for 2021 because all these games were meant to be coming out. And I think only one of them came out, which was uh, Humankind. Two of them, Old
1: World and Humankind. But yeah, yeah. you're right.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's going to be like, yeah, we're going to wait for 2022 now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. But we can talk about that. So stay tuned for that next time. And until then, thanks to Moy again for joining us from the Civ game show or the civ show sorry the shift show shiv show shiv show, shiv, shiv show let me try this again thanks again to Moy for joining us from the civ show and don't forget to check him out on twitch on december 19th for their big charity event it's a great cause and i think that you know we as explominate as a nation as like a you know a group of community need to do our best to show a little bit of you know support for that cause cause that's a great cause and uh, you know it's an also an, another one of you know kind of like a fellow Forex podcast so definitely check them out
3: okay that sounds like it's going to be a really exciting game as well
1: yeah great people there it sounds like i mean patina mcwhiskey and all those guys that are very good civilization game players you know they're 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 probably going to put on a good show so anyways this is rob ben Drexy and sean for explominates until next time keep exploring <laughs>